All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I, don't, I won't cover the Canucks. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Dark clouds and rain have come over the city of Vancouver. The doom and gloom has hit Vancouver Canucks fan base. My name is Chris Faber. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by those great folks over there. Down the road, you take a little trip down to Surrey, you pick up some hockey cards from the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Be sure to use our promo code, Hockey Season, capital H, capital S. That'll get you $5 off your order and free shipping across Canada. Let's see what we pull today. Anything fun, anything fun. We do have a fun little rookie card here. We are looking at Mark Kasterlek from the Ottawa Senators. Fun little rookie card there. Brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S. All one word over for the promo code at ZephyrEpic.com. My name is Chris Faber. Joining me in studio, not in studio today, in virtual studio today, Harmon Dial filling in for David Quadrelli. Quads is out at a pumpkin patch. 
harm. So I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the whole, it's fall weather, it's all here, the pumpkins are out, Halloween's here. Do you like October and all the festivities that come with it? And I'm including, you know, fall pumpkin pe- picking, going out and doing, I don't know, photo shoots. I feel like you're a photo shoot guy, Harm. Actually, I do know that you are. Uh, as well as Halloween festivities. What do you think about the month of October? Yeah, I mean... October, like I love Halloween, but outside of that, I am such a big fan of summer and how beautiful the weather is that like yesterday, for example, I had to go out to meet some friends and just because I was still in September mode, I didn't bring a rain jacket, nor did I bring an umbrella and I just got absolutely soaked and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is October. Uh, Plus, I think especially with the pumpkin patch stuff, like I don't want to speak for too many people, but just having spoken to some of my close friends, I feel like that's more a thing for the girlfriends than it is uh, for the guys in terms of making that long drive out there, picking the pumpkin. I don't know too many of my friends that are stoked about the pumpkin patch. Yeah, I think I'm definitely going to be sucked into doing one of those because I have to make the drive out there to Abbotsford anyways on Friday to go watch the home opener for the Abbotsford Canucks. So I have like no excuses of like, oh, making the drive out to Chilliwack or going to the, the cornfields and all these stuff. So I'll get around to that. Um, but Harm, I guess like on the Halloween note, you say you're a fan of Halloween. What's one of your favorite Halloween costumes that you ever wore? It's a really good question. I remember one year I it, I loved The Office. So I did when Jim Halpert did the three staple version of Jim. <laughs> I did that, which was sort of, a, you know, obviously kind of lazy, but I just love The Office so much. I'm trying to think of what else I've done in the past. I think um, the most recent time I dressed up, I wore, I did a Top Gun costume i had the aviator shades i had um uh an old school green bomber jacket my dad's old one i had like green army type pants so that was that was a ton of fun that's awesome well you're an office fan i should mention this at the wedding uh my wedding uh we did the office entrance you know like uh the song by forever by chris brown we did that entrance uh for our reception there we'll have to see awesome the video is going to come out eventually here once we get our videographers which i think are only like a week away so i'm really excited to see how that turned out i was screaming at the bridesmaids the night before like trying to get everyone in order for the (laughs) to like know what they had to do on their dances going in uh and it seemed to work out in the end so that's good i think my best costume and it's very easy for me to do uh from somewhat of the way that i talk but also the way that i look uh, I was Ricky from Trailer Park Boys, and it's it's so easy for me to pull it off. I just get the shirt uh, and then put on a pair of sweatpants, and it was the easiest costume, but it worked extremely well. So that's uh, that's my go-to, uh, I think, is my best one. Also, one year I was Santa Claus, dressed up as Santa Claus for Halloween, which was a pretty oh, fun that's little lame. one. I mean, I thought I it was like good. That. You don't like the Santa move? No, it's Christmas. But it was like, I think the fun part was because it's Halloween, I was Santa Claus. I had a couple of elves with me as well. Okay, fine. Uh, since you have a couple, the elves is unique. I uh, also learned that day not to, I just went to like Value Village and bought like the hair paint and I sprayed it in my beard to make my beard white. And my beard was just like rock solid for like the whole night. Like you couldn't, you couldn't bounce off of this thing. It, it was unreal. Uh, all right, let's get to some Canucks stuff. We got <laughs> we got to, we got to talk about the big topic at hand, obviously. And Frank Valley, by the way, is going to join us in about 10 minutes time. So we're excited to get Frank on here. Uh, some interesting stuff from around the league. I'm curious to hear from Frank about uh, the possible changes to the NHL draft, uh, as well as some big takeaways from him around the NHL this past week. But we got some Vancouver Canucks stuff to talk about. Uh, and there's been a lot of talk. From the Vancouver Canucks is Rick Talkett as well. We'll get to the clips in just a little bit here. I did put together a little, I guess you could call it a highlights of his media availability yesterday, which was exciting to say the least. But the Vancouver Canucks lose 2-0 against the Philadelphia Flyers last night. Man, the roller coaster of the season has officially begun. I tweeted out the photo yesterday. Spent about 12 minutes uh, on Snapchat doing the editing here on the uh, the roller coaster photo. But we're officially there, folks. We've gone up, we've gone down, and now the season has officially started. Thatcher Demko in my eyes, was the only good Vancouver Canuck harm. Do you agree or disagree with my statement there? 100% agree. I mean, can you even imagine the score if he was even playing at an average level? Mm. Like the team up and down in terms of the skaters were just totally outworked. I mean, watching how lackadaisically they were closing on guys in in the defensive zone, like even the sequence on um, on the Flyers' first goal, how little urgency there was during puck battles, how just poorly they were executing on the breakout, making ill-advised decisions. I'm sick of seeing Tyler Myers in the top four. I think that's a real, like in terms of 
like this is just one game, right? The Flyers one, but in terms of a big picture, like what's actually a concern or, or what actually looks dodgy about this team in the big picture for the rest of the season as it pertains to their to their playoff odds. Uh, it's Tyler Myers in the top four. And I was thinking about that and wrote about that um, as one of my observations after the Oilers game on Saturday where I thought he was equally as dodgy. So ultimately, you just hope that this is a reality check for the Canucks because this team has to realize that they're they're not good enough to just outskill teams, mm. right? Some some teams are some cup, cup contenders are so good that they can go in and they can play a bottom feeder team and they can sort of hover around you know like eighty percent of their capacity, not really throttle to one hundred and ten percent, and they're still so good. They still move the puck so well um, and finish plays that they can still win a game. The Canucks aren't that group. They cannot go into a game taking any opponent lightly or easily. And that's how it honestly felt. It looked like um, seeing their performance against the Flyers. It felt like they just thought things would come easy to them. Yeah, it's it's interesting to watch this season for the Vancouver Canucks because you brought up a good point. Like the, the best teams in the league, they just have more skill. The Canucks, to me, are still a skilled team, right? Like, I think you look at their stars and you look at the guys who are pushing the meter every single game with Elias Patterson, with JT Miller, with Quinn Hughes, like offensively very skilled players. But it's just not the depth throughout the lineup, and there are certain things in this lineup that let them down if they try to play that run-and-gun skill style. That's why those changes need to happen. That's why this team needs to buy into being a structured team, buy into the Rick Tockett system, because you brought up a great point, like, you're just not going to compete with Toronto when you're in a boat race with them. You're not going to compete against actual good playoff teams when you get to that point, if you can even get to that point in the playoffs. That's why I think these changes to the way that the team operates at a practice basis or how they're going to be playing on the ice with their certain structure changes, like all that needs to be bought into. And I think it was pretty clear from Rick Toggett yesterday that that wasn't happening. And you could start to see it, I guess, maybe in Saturday night's game as well, right? Like how much they were outshot. I think a team that plays under a structure doesn't get outshot two to one. And that's what they have been over the past two games here now with the Vancouver Canucks allowing 40 plus shots in both these games and not being able to get over 30 in either of these past two. Yeah, they picked up the win and it was an excellent kind of gutsy win on Saturday, but you didn't see that guts kind of pour out here in yesterday's game and that just let the team down. Like they just didn't have... I, I just found it very hard for them to kind of put anything together. And I think that's something we've talked about for the Canucks over the past couple of years of like, it's sometimes really hard for them to string three passes together, whether that's a breakout or in the offensive zone. And that all came to fruition yesterday in a game where just like tough to watch, like really tough to watch yesterday for somebody who's trying to like, you know, give analysis on this Vancouver Canucks team. Like we're in here doing the show now. All we can really say was like, they were bad. They just weren't good. They weren't giving effort. We'll get to the Rick Tockett quotes in a little bit, but how much does this team need to continue to buy into that structure? And is this a thing that's like, it isn't going to take three games. Like this might take a full season before we can start to see the results. Maybe even next year with this Canucks team. It's um, it's massive. It's essential. And I would clarify that. I think even though they were handily outplayed against the Oilers, I still think that was a different type of performance because mm-hmm. first of all, quality of opponent um, and even just, I thought there was a different resilience level and pushback when you think about the first First 40 seconds or so, Evander Kane comes in, and that's a pissed-off Oilers team that you just embarrassed them, and he crushes Hironic. Three scoring chances right off the bat. They score, home opener, crowd's going nuts, and they had the nerve to weather the storm. And I didn't think effort was so much an issue. I thought the issue was more the foundation of, okay, they can't move the puck on the back end, and that was more of a skill thing. Whereas I thought the actual effort was more of an issue, and this was a way uglier performance against the Flyers. You know what this reminds me of? It's like, and this is the thing to keep in mind in terms of the buy-in, because it requires a ton of hard work over the course of an 82-game season. It's like when someone sets a New Year's resolution to go to the gym, right? It's not hard to do for the first two weeks when you're motivated. The hard part is maintaining it with consistency over the entire year. It's doing it when you're tired and not motivated. Um, And that's when you find out about a person's actual commitments to their goal, their actual discipline, their actual focus and character and what standards they actually hold, hold themselves to. And for the Canucks, it's like this team is a week into their, into that new new year's resolution. They're swearing this time is different. And the first week they were dialed in with everything. And usually this team, they're not dialed in week <laughs> one. They're, they're usually already skipping their workouts week one, 
but they were in it week one. Now, yesterday they skipped a workout, right? And here's the thing. Now, if you skip one day, but get back on the grind, that's not going to hurt you. It's going to be a blip in the radar. It's not going to matter as long as you're consistent. The danger is that if skipping that one workout this early, when it shouldn't be that hard to compete, is a sign that you don't have the, the professionalism, the maturity, and the mental fortitude to stick with this intense sort of buy-in and, and training program for an entire year. So that's kind of the way I think about it. And that's why I think the response against Tampa is going to be so huge because the Lightning are going to be a desperate team. They're one, two, and one, I believe. Um, and so they're going to be coming at you um, on firing on all cylinders, but also they're weak, right? They don't have Vasilevsky. Um, they've got injuries up front and on the back end too. Um, like that, that lightning team on paper is vulnerable, uh, but they're also going to be really hungry. So how do you res- respond to this first initial test of adversity? How do you res- respond to getting smacked in the face? That's going to be the real sign of of where this team is at. Yeah, because it's not like we're throwing away the season after one game, right? There was a lot of really good things in those first two games, but you're right. It, it is a perfect example to talk about missing a workout early on in the season. And I, I think a lot of this now turns to the coaching staff, right? And this is now a different coaching staff than a Bruce Boudreaux coaching staff. This is a coaching staff that's, you know, willing to, if they're willing to talk to the media and talk about their players in this way, I'm very curious what they are with closed doors, like how intense Rick talk it is. So we'll get to the clips right now, because I do think that this is a big topic of discussion here. Uh, Rick talk speaking with the media post game yesterday. I cut together three different clips, I believe. Uh, so we'll just kind of listen to all of it. These are kind of the highlights or lowlights, depending on which angle you're coming from, from Rick talk last night in the post game media availability. I can't even pick one guy who played well other than Demko was unreal. He was the he was he was great tonight, and the rest of the guys weren't. We just got some guys. They you know they got they better pick it up. I mean, I mean I saw a lot of you know I don't like to use the word soft, but I I didn't see guys competing at all, um, and that's alarming. It's it's a good lesson for us, you know. It's a good lesson. You know, who are we to think we're anybody? So, you know, we'll go to have good practice tomorrow, and we'll see how the guys respond against Tampa. You know, Stanley Cup winning kind of t- team. Let's see if they uh, they respond. That last little quote there, that's kind of the big quote that I think you take away, right? I mean... This Canucks team hasn't won much, and there's a comment here from Antagonist. Uh, we need to see a statement win from them tomorrow. Let's see what character they have built this year. I, I think you can have a player really make a case today, like you, or tomorrow's game. You can really have a player step up and be like, you want to get in the coach's good books? Like This is the night where tomorrow I'd love to see Niels Hoglander have a big night. I'd love to see Phil DiGiuseppe continue to impress the coach, but I'd also like to see the leadership group really step up and not necessarily, you know, need another four goal game from Brock Besser or four point night from Elias Patterson, but like you can win a three to one game tomorrow. And that would make a huge statement for this Canucks team. And it's not even so much the result, right? If they go out against Tampa and they're heavily outplaying them, they're controlling play really well. You're seeing that same level of, um, you know, the type of positive habits we saw in the season opener in terms of how they're playing off the wall, the forecheck, they're managing the puck responsibly, but things just go against them for whatever reason, whether it's goaltending or um, the just bounces go against you. That's fine. Like it's not so much that it's a must win performance. It's that it, it, I'm more gra- going to be grading their form um, and, and the actual response and, and how the team looks Obviously, the win would be massive on top of that to, to regain that m- momentum. But it's, it's, I think, important to also distinguish that it's not just about the result. Um, because, look, if they win, and, and, the, and the reverse is also true, if they squeak out um, like a 2-1 win and it's only because Demko stood, stood on his head, that's not going to reassure me, mm. right? So it's, it's not just the result I'm looking at. It's going to be the overall performance. Yeah, and I'm excited to see it. We do have a couple updates from your colleague over there at the Athletic, Thomas Drance, who's down on the road. You couldn't get the Florida trip, eh? That's all. That's Drance's territory? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, well, we do have some updates from Elias Pettersson was absent at practice today, uh, and we did see the lines come together. Mark Friedman also joined the team, who was just traded yesterday for Jack Rathbone. He's already down with the team, wearing Troy Stetcher's old number 51. 
If you're trying to become a fan favorite real quick, picking number 51 I think is a very smart move. Do you think we'll see Friedman on Thursday? I mean, he's already there practicing a day in advance. Listen, no Juleson. We can just say it, Frank. He's been the worst. I think he's been the worst Canuck through the first three games. If you look at all three games as one sample size. Uh, they need some help on the right side of defense. <laughs> I mean, you could probably argue Tyler Myers has at times been the worst one as well. But do you expect to see Friedman draw right into this lineup on uh, Thursday? And I would expect it to be Juleson that comes out. Yeah, I hope so, because, man, Juleson's had a really rough night. I mean, even after the Edmonton game and seeing, like, he practically gifted the Oilers their second power play goal with um, such an elementary sort of play that he botched on the PK trying to clear it. Uh, he's really struggled, and and I just don't think he's performing at the level of an NHL defenseman. I think he's a straight-up liability. I thought, I honestly thought that they should have brought, brought Susie in um, and kept Hirose in the lineup and just mm-hmm. gone two lefties on the bottom pair, honestly. So um, I, I hope we don't see Juleson next game. Yeah, well, uh, I expect to see him in the AHL uh, very soon. And I was a little surprised with the Hirose move. Did that catch you off a little bit? Because I, I know that you can see Susie or Ian Cole play the right side. I was a little surprised that Hirose gets sent down. I guess the way that I can logic, like logically believe that it's the right move is for Hirose to be getting a lot of ice time down there in Abbotsford now. And I guess they kind of have an open spot after trading Jack Rathbone. Um, so let's bring in our guest here. Frank Saravalli's here on the call. And, uh, I think the crown's gone around a little bit too. Did I hear what's Aaron talking about here? Frank, you guys are having some fun this morning. I heard hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Uh, no, definitely not this morning. Uh, so let's just make sure we draw that line pretty clearly in the sand. But I did uh, Oilers Nation every day today and was hanging out with them and uh, we got, you know, hit, you hit a goal in terms of likes and all of a sudden you, you hit some, uh, you got the, I got the crown behind me here over here. I'm bad at pointing and, uh, yeah, I'm excited dip to, into the crown in the afternoon. We'll see how that bottle looks by next week. Uh, I don't think it'll be as full. Um, but it's good. I'm glad you guys are having some fun with the likes instead of just making uh, your Remchuk put on some weird outfit or whatever you guys, uh, oh, whatever's going on. That's the weirdest thing ever. When they said, if he gets to a certain number of subscribers on youtube this year he's gonna do a boudoir shoot like it's just something i never ever want to see and i don't know why anyone would think that's a good idea don't don't google it harm okay (laughs) no you definitely should just put it on the old incognito browser (laughs) uh frank a lot of talk around the vancouver canucks is forward connor garland right now um we're hearing that the canucks would like to gain some cap space here it's also been something that we've touched on with you in the past that it doesn't feel like the best fit here with the Vancouver Canucks and Connor Garland as my fire alarm goes off. So I will let you uh, take this away. What are you hearing on the Connor Garland situation as I press mute? I've talked to a couple of GMs this afternoon about seeing some increased reporting that um, the Canucks are getting closer to moving Garland it's always possible. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I think they've been considering a bunch of different options. 
I, I said it with you guys last week that the biggest issue that's surrounding uh, Connor Garland with the Canucks is the term that teams aren't willing to extend themselves out a few years down the line. And yes, the Canucks are willing to retain money. Yes. They're willing to take on a guy on another team that, you know, some in that market may see as overpriced in order to try and make something happen. I think everyone is on the same page and that for culture reasons, for, um, competitive reasons the best thing for everyone is to get him a fresh start elsewhere but as you mentioned Fabes like I I think this is something that they've been talking about for a while now that just hasn't materialized like he's been on my trade board for a calendar year. Frank just wanted to follow up on that and sort of alluding to you know the the term aspect uh, the one thing I've wondered is why the Canucks seem so motivated to sort of get this done now because I'm almost looking at it and going, I'd rather wait till the season ends where he'll be owed less term, less salary. The cap might go up a bit. Um, I'd probably rather be looking to deal him in that type of market rather than now. What, what do you think is um, the major appeal for the Canucks in trying to get this done now? Is it that they want a defenseman back? Is it the idea of freeing cap and being able to bank cap space for the deadline and potentially add later in the season? Um, where do you think management's at with that? I think it's part of both those things. It's trying to get a defenseman in. It's trying to get that flexibility to do it. But at the same time, I think there's also a part of them that's saying, before this really gets out of hand and becomes a bigger headache, let's try and address this situation. I think both sides have have done a really good job of, of trying to keep this calm and quiet. But I think it's one of those situations that's sort of percolating under the surface here that you're you're dealing with a player who's never really felt like he's been wanted here since arriving, since signing the contract. He's never really felt comfortable and now probably feels like he's not even really being utilized properly to, to be a success and to uh, play his way out of here. So before that becomes ugly, I think they'd like to address it. I just, it, the problem is it's already ugly on the cap and, in a flat cap world, no one is signing up to take that off your hands, not without a pretty decent thing, uh, it package in return. And, and the other part that I'll add in too, is you're also dealing with a team that, um, has dead cap money and has, you know, other stuff that's on the books for multiple years to the point where I think the last thing the Canucks really want to do is try and, uh, be in a spot where, yeah, they've moved on from Connor Garland, but we'll have further pain moving forward, especially as the ekman Larson buyout jumps up in the next few years. Uh, moving forward here. Uh, by the way, I'm going to quote Bruce Boudreau here. I'm not walking down 15 flights of stairs. I don't smell no smoke. I'm going to risk it here with my fire alarm going off in the background. But, Frank, uh, another interesting note that came out here, and I think this is uh, something that Harm and I are very curious about because we love going down to the NHL draft and having a good time with everybody down there. Um, sounds like there may be some changes coming up to the NHL draft in the future, maybe not in this next coming season, but potentially 2025. What are you hearing on the NHL draft? Honestly, it's possible even before for this upcoming draft in 2024, they haven't nailed down the facility just yet. And as this has sort of dragged on, a couple of the teams have said, hey, why are we doing it this way to begin with? And so the NHL said, well, we'll ask everyone. And so what they did today is they sent a memo to all 32 teams. Very simple. Check one box and send it back to us. Would you like to keep the NHL draft status quo? Everyone on a draft floor in the same city? Or would you like to see it become decentralized and in a way more virtual in sort of like how they did 2020 with cameras in war rooms and an ability for teams to sort of congregate on their own. It's, I think it's a better system to have it decentralized. I know that's not the popular media pick. This is not about me or you or us uh, going to Nashville and, and getting to hang out with everyone in the league as awesome as that is. Um, it's really more so about, I personally think, the draft floor, the way that it's set up now is not very advantageous or conducive to creating transactions. No one really wants to pick up the phone and call their counterpart GM who's feet away and have everyone in the building see and on TV 
that you're talking to so-and-so on the phone. It becomes obvious what you're trying to accomplish. And so the nice part about being in a war room is even with a camera there, just step outside and make a call. And I think it'd be more, no one wants to make a mistake. So if you can sort of do it off camera, I think what you'll end up doing ultimately is creating more transactions. And then just from a human capital standpoint, why shuttle everyone in your organization to one city to then hurry up and rush to fly them back to wherever your home base is for development camp, which usually starts two or three days later. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. It's antiquated. There's a reason why the NFL and Major League Baseball and and the NBA do it this way is because this is the best way to for teams to conduct business. And just to sort of follow up on that, one of the other things that I've thought about a lot is just how closely the draft and free agency are sometimes smushed together. I mean, last time in Nashville, there was one day in between the end of, end of the draft and in July 1st. Do you think that's How do you part think the teams well? feel harm that won the cup? <laughs> yeah. It's usually like you're, you're still nursing your hangover and there you are at the last table in the room because you've got the last pick in the first round if you didn't trade it. And then, by the way, after this is over, you've got one day until free agency opens and two days after that is development camp with all these new players in your town. Like, it's just it's too much. Do you think the league would ever consider altering? Like, it feels like this cup is being awarded later in June compared to, to years past. Um, and again, the window between the draft and free agency is getting compressed more and more. Do you think? There, there is perhaps a momentum to, to, to sort of address that, or, or, or is that something that even behind the scenes teams are are hoping can be potentially fixed down the road? I think some teams would like to see it. I think handing out the cup earlier is a benefit to everyone. Look, when you you guys know what it's like being in Canada when the weather turns in Vancouver from, you know, dreary uh you know winter cloudy rainy days and you start to get that sun and the blue sky and and the perfect temperatures the last thing you really want to do is be sitting there watching hockey you're out if you're in any canadian market the season is so short outside that if your team isn't in the mix there's almost zero chance you're watching so i think that's a big reason why you should continue moving it up it used to be back in the day Stanley Cup was awarded by May 31st, and that's it. Um, In this case, I would say uh, the league has little wiggle room to do that, especially in a year like this. The puck didn't drop on the regular season until October 11th. Well, the reason that happened is because the NHL's two U.S. TV rights partners, they didn't want it before then. That was the earliest date that they were comfortable with, which therefore then pushes the last possible day of the Stanley Cup final back to June 24th this year. Way too late. So you got in in between June 24th and Canada Day, you've got potential Game 7 of Cup Final, draft, and free agency all in that span. It's, it's, It's a reason why, for me, the last few years, that's probably the closest I'll be to a heart attack any of those any of those weeks of the year i'm with you and then i gotta watch the world championships for some stupid reason as well um frank to circle back with the vancouver canucks here um pretty pretty um i guess harsh or, or you know very critical or just kind of honest answers from rick talkie yesterday something a little different we've seen i know you've seen the post game availability that he had one of the big quotes i wanted to take away was who are we to think we're anybody with this team what do you think about the way that rick talkett spoke with the media because what we were talking about earlier on is if he's saying that to the media, what's he saying with closed doors inside that locker room? Probably not any different, and in some ways it might even be a little bit less harsh. Um, and I think, first off, that's the thing that jumped off the page at me. I love it. Why should the Canucks, like, what do they have to stand on after these last number of years to think that because you won the first two games of the year, against a team that many view as a cup contender that all of a sudden that puts you in that category. You can't take a night off, not against one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, it's not a joy ride. Um, 
you know, I don't know how many guys ended up going to the NLCS here in Philly on Monday night, probably more than a few. It's not party time. It's time to work. And that's the perfect message to send is this team had a lot of really, really bad habits the last few years. Body language, compete. I've been saying for a couple years now, the Canucks are a soft team and easy to play against. That's not who Rick Tockett is. That's not how he wants his team to play. And if you're going to have a team that embodies what a coach is and says, like the Carolina Hurricanes do with Rod Brindamore, then you actually have to say it and live it. And he's doing it. Now it's up to the rest of the Canucks to follow suit. Frank, uh, appreciate your around the league stuff here on the show as well, because I know a lot of folks, they just tune in here for the Canucks content. So I'm curious, what was your favorite story over the past week here? We're one week into the regular season now. What was one of the favorite ones for you to kind of, uh, I guess, just dive in on on your own and learn about? I love the Matthew Phillips revenge game Yes, against the Flames. I've got lots of time for someone that's trying to scrap and make it, let alone someone that's five foot seven. And oh, by the way, the... Calgary Flames have also let a five foot seven, really talented player walk before his name ended up being Marty St. Louis. Hmm. So it does happen. Not saying Matthew Phillips is going to be that, but to get your first NHL goal against the team, it's really the coach that never gave you a crack in Daryl Sutter um, had to be pretty satisfying. So I love that story. And I was at Connor Bedard's first game in Pittsburgh Um Somehow that's become a debate as to whether or not he's doing too much media. But I think the first week of the season, by the way, I'm also feeling uh, pretty good about my Thatcher Demko Vezina pick. You looked really smart yesterday, Frank, as you normally do around here. But uh, Only game three. Yeah. Hey, don't count the chickens yet, but I think you're close. I got to say, Matthew Phillips. So when I was first starting out in hockey, I was in the, the Vancouver Island Junior Hockey League doing some uh, some play-by-play over there in the BCIHL. A lot of very good stuff from Phillips down with the Victoria Royals uh, in his uh, WHL career. So great kid. I'm rooting for him as well. Uh, Frank, thanks so much for this. Uh, we'll do this again next week on Wednesday. See you guys. Have a good one. There he is. Thanks, Frank, Frank. Valley, Joining us here on the show every Wednesday. That's why we, we move it up for Frank a little early. Frank likes his 115 slot. We're going to give him that. Uh, so good stuff there from Frank. Uh, and I did see Lisa asked earlier in the chat about how that would be with uh, player interviews for the draft for the change and the teams weren't there. We'd probably get longer draft interviews with these players, I think, uh, if the teams weren't rushing them around to do a million different photo shoots and you know meet everybody. I don't think it would be affected that much. We would still get similar things. I think the only thing that it would affect, um, and Harm, you can speak to this because you're down in Nashville as well as Montreal last year, uh, it would be a little weird to not have the GM there to give an immediate press conference. I think you would lose a little bit that way, but I can assume that would be something you might see on Zoom uh, moving forward, especially if all the media is at the draft. And they're still back at home at their locker room. Any any thoughts about the the draft changing a little bit if it does change the format? Yeah, honestly, I wasn't the the biggest fan of the idea of, of having it decentralized. But Frank brought up a really good point in terms of the draft floor layout not being conducive to transactions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a strong enough reason to convince me to sort of reconsider my, my position because – even you think back to the draft, it was a pretty disappointing one in terms of trades, despite how many big name players were available to um, available on the market on, on the block. And we just didn't see a whole lot of activity. I mean, day one and two were pretty much snooze fests when it came to big name trades. And that is a really good point. I mean, GMs and I and I know this because. I worked on a piece with Dan Robson last year on the art of how deals get made, talked to a lot of current and former general managers, assistant general managers. And these GMs are so aware of like, there's a game within the game. It's not just call. It's not just you're looking for a specific type of player player and you blindly go out and make it. There's so much strategy and posturing involved. And what Frank mentioned in terms of everybody knowing your intentions when you call up a specific general manager, like I can understand why GMs would be so hesitant to, or or at least guarded about pursuing some of those opportunities on the draft floor itself. And that that was that was my biggest takeaway. Was okay. That's that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of before. Yeah, I think that's something that could certainly change. I mean, I 
I, I don't know. I feel like it, I don't know how much that would change the draft floor. I don't know if like somebody knows you're on the call, but you you brought up a good point. Your your article back then made a lot of sense about just I guess the the outside view of how like a trade goes down. It's not just a phone call. It's probably about a lot of different phone calls being made. I don't think there's just one call and you make yeah. a trade with the team, right? That's kind of what you're talking about there. There's a lot of posturing, as you mentioned. So uh, it could change, but I also think it would be interesting to just see one year where that actually happens. Uh, whatever they do, they got to try that thing that the NFL did the other day where they brought the player out on a boat. Like the first round player came in on a boat. I don't know if you ever saw this one, but it was no, a few years ago. Uh, and like the drafted player had to come from this other room, get on this little boat, take the boat to the stage. It was hilarious. Uh, so if they do that for, for the NHL draft, I don't even care what they do. I'm down for it. Uh, but let's move on to our poll question. But before we do, I just want to give a quick shout out to our new segment that we do at the end of every show. Anyone else? which we'll be running here in just a few minutes after we do our poll question. So if you have any questions, comments, topics, anything, we'll get into it. Um, write A&E or AE or anybody else in the chat so I can kind of spot them a little bit easier, uh, and we'll discuss your topic or get to your question here. But let's get to our poll question here, brought to you by the great folks at AtlasGoods. AtlasGDS.com is where you can find it. Use promo code CC15 for 15% off of your beautiful, tasty pork rinds. They are just excellent snack. You can throw whatever seasonings on them to boost them up a little bit or just a little bit of seasoning salt. Go with the straight pork taste. They're excellent. You can find them here locally out of Surrey. And apparently, I don't know, but I haven't got this confirmed. But Quads always says this. If you order earlier in the morning or in the afternoon, they'll get it to you that day. But this is I got to get confirmed from Quads. I think he's in the chat right now, so he can let us know. But promo code CC15 will get you 15% off your order of pop rinds, pork rinds, all the best stuff from atlasgds.com. Check them out for more information. They're a good local company. We love our good local companies here. So let's get to our poll question now. Harm, I, I wanted this one to just kind of get your opinion on it because I talk enough prospects on the show. Everybody hears it. Uh, the Blackfish Report every Tuesday on Canucks Army. Be sure to check that out. But our Atlas GDS poll question, which prospect are you most excited to follow right now? Is it Tom Willander who's playing in the NCAA? Jonathan Lekkermacki out of the SHL, as I'm learning Swedish, by the way, Harm. I don't know if I've told you that. Uh, and Atu Ratu. Down in the AHL, I'm angry or other is the fourth option. Right now, Tom Willander running away with it. But I'm going to make a little bit of a case here for Atu Ratu, who's only got 6.9% of the vote, which is you know a nice little showing for him, but not the best right now. Here's the thing. You can go watch Atu Ratu. So I think that the, he's not getting enough love here because, yeah, I'm giving you all the highlights and the Blackfish report and all that stuff. But I'm curious, like, you can go watch Ratu actually play in person. So that's a little bit different for me. Who are you most excited to follow right now of these top three Canucks prospects? Well, Ander, I mean, just because, for starters, the positional premium for a right-shot defenseman. I mean, you look at the Canucks right now, and you're like, boy, they could really use another stud on the right side of the the blue line. And and that's where tracking his development is going to be really interesting to see. Also, just because he was a really interesting player where he really came on strong in the second half of the season. was a late riser and those players are sometimes interesting because especially coming out of the the strong U18s you know tournament that he had there's almost two ways of looking at it sometimes the the negative or the potential risk is that you're putting too much stock into you know their U18 performance and and not enough stock into the overall body of work and you perhaps rated the prospect too high but then the other side of the ledger is these guys are so young and sometimes they do take massive leaps in season. Could that, could that second half down the stretch performance really be a sign of, of what he really represents as a talent and and the Canucks were perhaps um, in, you know, making a smart bet by taking him that early. And, And so that's where even just watching how he fares offensively, I mean, Willander was really excited about the opportunity to go play in the NCAA again, not many Swedish prospects make that decision he wanted the bigger ice time bigger opportunity and look this may not be the huge and sorry harm i wanted to jump in here with that for people that don't know he's not coming out of the shl right he's coming out of the j20 so not only is he getting all that extra ice time instead of making the jump up to the shl it's still a jump up in league the j20 league in sweden there's some skill for sure but the ncaa is a much more difficult league so he is still making a jump in competition yeah, and it's not that I should also clarify, just because they've got Lane Hudson, who's a stud, um, plays huge minutes, power play, pure offensive guy. Like, I'm not looking for looking at Will Ander to put up a ton of points and 
be at the end of the season in the conversation of a Quinn Hughes type draft plus one year where you're, where you're like one of the best players in the entire league. But I am curious to see how much of an improvement he can make in terms of his puck skills, the offensive side, the playmaking, um, and how he fares overall. I had a question this week into the Monday mailbag, and I said if Orlander, like he had a great start. It was one one game over the weekend, so the people are getting a little bit ahead of themselves. But like if he has an unreal season in the NCAA and he's able to defend, he's able to put up a ton of points. And, you know, we saw it in the third period of that one game that he played. He was playing with Hudson, and that's huge. He played the whole third period alongside him. They're going to put up points. You play with Hudson in the NCAA, you're going to put up points. Could you see a world where, like, if everything goes really good for him this season, like, is it even possible to think that he could jump in the lineup at some point this year? Is, or is it just too soon? And I know we're only one game in, but it was a very strong performance. If he continues to even grow off of that, like, it has to at least be a possibility, I think. Yeah, I think it's a little far-fetched. I mean, maybe it'd be one of those things where he has such a strong year that you're looking at, okay, do we sign this guy and turn him pro? Mm-hmm. And because of that, all right, just to burn the ELC, and if this team's out of the playoff race, hopefully they're not. But if they are, low stakes, get him into a few games um, just to, to get his feet wet, maybe. But I, I think we're getting – a getting ahead of ourselves a bit for sure. I, I think the bigger conversation would be, again, if he has a huge year, is it, does he sign at the end of uh, end of one season like Quinn Hughes did, um, as opposed to originally I looked at Will Ander as more of a raw sort of project. And I was thinking more along the lines of two years, maybe. Um, and again, even when he turns pro, it's not just you're immediately going to join the NHL. There's always the option of developing in the American league. Um, so that's that's how I'd be viewing his situation. Yeah, I think it's possible, but like I said, it, it would have to be you would have to be blown away with his play in the NCAA. And listen, he did that in one game. It was one game he did blow us away in his first game. So we'll have to see. There's a long ways to go uh, before we get to that point. Let's get to our next segment here. Anyone else? We've added it to the show. We want to get the comment section involved. We always see the comments. It's hard to really kind of dive in as the show's going on, especially when one of us is going on a long rant. So this is our anyone else segment brought to you. And Harm, I don't know if you remember this from last year, but do you remember what to say after I say brought to you by the great folks at DoorDash? Ding dong. There you go. You did better than I did yesterday. I forgot it. Uh, so DoorDash, let me get a quick read in here and we'll get to anyone else. Uh, with Double Dash on DoorDash, you can order from multiple restaurants or stores in the same delivery without additional delivery fees. So everyone can get what they want and they need. Have you ever used the Double Dash? I do it sometimes to get like a second little uh, thing from 7-Eleven if I'm short on energy drinks or whatever. Like, you got the DoorDash going, and then you can pick up, like, a quick thing from these little convenience stores. I love it. I love the Double Dash. Uh, and for I a didn't lim- even know that was a thing. Yeah. I'm well, literally hey, just finding out now. There you go. DoorDash. Clip that. Listen to that one. Uh, so, DoorDash. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code NATION25. That is NATION, all capital letters, and then the numbers 25. NATION25. All right. Let's get to anyone else. I did see a comment come early from Lisa. What is your Halloween costume this year? Anything uh, Anything this year, Harm? Do you have anything planned? Because we have a game, a- by the way. Like, Nashville's in town here on the 31st to play the Canucks on Halloween night. So are we going to see costumes in the press box? Oh, no. I'm not. I'm probably not dressing up to the press box. Um, I, I'm a last-minute planner of costumes. I, I'm the type of guy that's like, oh, crap. Is the spirit still open? I got to go run and, and get something. So, well, still still to, to be determined. Way too early. I... I- all I'm going to be wearing is I have my bright orange tie, which I am never allowed to wear, according to my wife. So uh, <laughs> I, I will be wearing that for Halloween again. I'll have like a black and orange look, but I don't think we're going to have a costume. And I just don't have a costume this year. Uh, I know that uh, – so my wife works at the Children's Hospital. They do a very good costume things every year, like to you know bring some, some fun to the kids during Halloween time, I guess. So they're doing a big uh, – they always do a big one. I know last year was skeletons, and I think this year it's like body parts or something. So they're going to have some fun with it, uh, as those nurses deserve too on Halloween, uh, and help the kids out, bring them some good stuff as well. Uh, we got a question from Corey Anderson here. This is a good one. Uh, are either of you working on a big article or something you're excited about writing about, like a deep dive with a certain player? Harm, you got about seven of these on the go. What's one that you're working on right now that you're excited about? And you yeah, don't have to give so- away too much. You, I know you like to keep your stuff secret there. Yeah, I, I know I've got a few national things um, on the way that I'm excited about. But in, as it pertains to the Canucks, 
More so, haven't gotten the chance to start yet just because I just got back from Edmonton and Drancers on the rest of the road trip, so I haven't had the chance to collect the interviews yet. Um, but I'm excited to – one of the ideas that I really want to do is um, a getting-to-know-Philip-Peronic type piece. Hmm. He, I feel like we know nothing about him. Like, as a person, and I know he's a quiet, shy, reserved personality, and that's part of who he is. Um, but one thing that's really stood out to me – um, as somebody who appreciates other people, other people's fresh cuts, is this guy? Like, I swear to God, anytime Philip Peronic is on the ice, just coming up, coming out for a warm up or every game, the guy looks like he just went to the barber two days ago, all the time, perpetually. Like, I, I got to talk to him about even when he first got traded. His, I think, first time we saw him on the ice, immediately had a fresh fade, and, and I, I just need to talk to him about. Um, you know, how he goes through the process of, you know, once you have a barber and you stick to a guy, how quickly did he find a new one in Vancouver? Did he did he talk to his Canucks teammates about finding one? Do any of the guys in the locker room um, trip him about how often he's got his um, hair and beard perfectly lined up? But, you know, little things like that. Uh, another thing that stood out, apparently during the pandemic, the PR staff counted that he went, I think, 300, like, I can't remember the exact number. It was like, three to 500 days without speaking to the media Wow! during the COVID um, time. It's just, he loves dodging that. So I'd love to get his take on, on that too. And just feel like it'd be interesting to get to know him a little bit. Yeah. I think the one-on-ones are going to be the way that you get something out of Philip Ronick. He's not a huge fan of yeah. the five to 10 microphones in his face with yeah. cameras and lights and everything is what we've learned so far. Uh, and that's probably why you won't see a lot of them in the post-game media availabilities, because I don't think a lot of us are asking for them, but I think a one-on-one situation would be a lot of fun, um, especially if you can kind of loosen them up a little bit. So it might take you a few times of, uh, of coming down to the locker room and talking to Heronic, but that's an exciting one. For me, uh, honestly, I am putting so much work into the Blackfish report for every Tuesday that it's just kind of become my column that I'm just really happy with every week. Um, I read the comments of all of them. Everybody seems to absolutely love that article. I absolutely love putting it together. So uh, nothing really big going on right now. I just kind of have to wait for the Canucks to get home to get a real big story. But aside from that, I'm excited to get out to Abbotsford right on Friday, see the home opener, uh, and kind of deal with some stuff out there as well. David Quadrelli in the in the chat says, who starts tomorrow? It's got to be Demko, right? They're going back to Demko, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Jeremy asks, do you connect with other well-known Canucks influencers in Vancouver, uh, like the hockey, like Rob the, or Rob the Hockey Guy, as well as Hockey Guy on YouTube, I'm guessing here, Lego, Parker, and Clay? Yeah, I've uh, I've never ch- chatted with, uh, is it the Hockey Guy? Like the He's got a big YouTube channel, I know. Um, yeah. Much bigger than ours. It's the Hockey Guy, right? So I know he's from Vancouver. I've never actually interacted with him. Uh, but Geo, Lego Rocks, he's excellent. Parker and Clay in their show, Canucks After Dark, they do an excellent job as well. Uh, and yeah, I just talked to Clay a couple days ago. I was in his, uh, his live stream the other day because they only had the French uh, broadcast of the AHL game, which I can speak a little bit. I mean, my French is rusty, so I wasn't able to like keep up with play-by-play, but uh, it was nice to, to check in with Clay. What about any other people like outside the reporters in Vancouver that do connect stuff that you're, you're buddies with there, Harm? Not too many. Uh, there's a guy named Armin who does a bunch of TikTok stuff that I've ran into yep. uh, a couple of times and, and he's a nice guy. Armin's awesome. Uh, you see him outside of the rink? Is he, he's outside of the rink, right? Coming uh, and yelling at you? Like, yeah, after no, uh, uh, not only, not only that, like one of the UBC practices was uh, when I most recently ran it, ran into him and he's, he's pretty big on TikTok. I think he's yeah. got like, you know, 10, I mean, I, I, I'm not on TikTok anymore, so I don't know, but he's got a lot like thousands, tens of thousands, I think. Yeah. Um. So, and, and he's such a, Cool guy, but aside from that, um, no, not really. Okay, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I love Arvin's always. He's always outside the uh, out the rank, and he's just pumped to see everyone. It's so nice and just full of energy. Love it. I love. I love seeing him. I got. I got to get a video of him one time before next time I come out because it's just like it gets me so excited. I see him from outside the window, like coming out of the rank, and he's just fired up, ready to go. Um, so that's all great stuff. I think we'll we'll close out there. We got our Betway bet of the day. Uh, but anyone else, we're just going to keep growing it. We'll keep growing the segment here. I like it at the end of the show, get the comments involved, um, because I, I feel like that's something maybe we lacked last year. We didn't get the comments involved enough. So now we have a segment for it, and it's brought to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Well done, Harmon. Uh, promo code NATION25 uh, for 25% off your first order. Let's get to our Betway bets of the day, and then let's get out of here. We had a big letdown yesterday. I gave you JT Miller for two points and uh, the over to be over 5.5 goals in the game. That did not happen. Uh, so what do we do? 
we go to what we know. We go outside of the NHL. We're going over to Sweden. We got Urbro playing HV71 tomorrow. HV71, not a very good team in the SHL. Urbro, one of the best teams. I think they're top three right now in the SHL. And they've been playing good hockey, scoring a lot of goals. So we're going to go with Urbro winning and hitting the over of 5.5 total goals in this game at plus 220. A $10 bet's going to return you $32. We did well on our AHL bet last weekend. We'll have to see if we can follow it up here with Urbro winning against HV71 tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. So you got some time to get your Betway, Betway, Betway bets in. Uh, bet the responsible way. Must be 19 plus to play. And producer Aaron has a photo shoot for you. Um, you asked about the, the boudoir photos that uh, Tyler Uremchuk, uh, who's over at Oilers Nation, is going to take. I feel like I should rescind that request. I, I would. Like I don't yeah. want to know anymore. So, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. From Seinfeld there. Um, this is what uh, one of our <laughs> hosts over in uh, one of the Oily Boys, one of the head of the hosts out there, I'd have to say. Um, I, I don't know what's going on over there in, in Edmonton. This is why I avoid that place. I don't go over there. Quads is over there. And then he walks in and sees stuff like this going on. That's why I don't go back to the Oilers Nations HQ. Aaron, can you explain this? Can you explain what actually is going on with your M Chuck? You guys, you guys did hit the mark, and this is happening now, right? Well, we haven't officially hit the mark yet. I'm not sure what the final number is supposed to be. I think it's like twenty thousand or something like that. Maybe, maybe it's even thirty by the trade deadline. But I don't know. It's what Tyler does. He just makes these ridiculous bets where like he can't even win, he can only lose. Example for yesterday is he said if the Oilers' second line could score five on five, he'd do a shot at Crown Royal. Well, there was nothing if they didn't score, and then they ended up scoring two goals. So he lost that one too. He was in a Snoopy costume earlier. We started the season, he was in a Barbie costume. We tend to make ridiculous bets over here in Edmonton and – Favor, I think that's something you guys should be picking up. I well, do think the war shoots should be on the line. I don't know. I like I said, no. we we like our subscribers actually over here. We like them. I feel like this isn't for the subscribers. I feel like all of these bets are just for Tyler. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> like, it's true. Hey, we we had our most like liked show ever today on Oilers Nation yeah. every day because they knew Tyler was going to have to do a shot from our friends at Crown Royal. Interesting. Okay. Got to tease him somehow. We'll Got to get him somehow. We'll see what we can do over here. I did. Uh, I got to get to Zach's question because I see the chat's letting me have it. I did miss it. Let me pull it up here. Uh, Zach's question for anyone else. Who should the Penguins draft with the Canucks' 2024 first-round pick? Quad, <laughs> Quads is talking about moving the first-round pick. I feel like he's setting uh, Zach up for this question. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what happens if they end up moving it. How about, uh, let's throw a name out there, Consta Hellenus uh, out of Finland. He's a, I feel like he'll be somewhere in that uh, 18 to 25 range at this coming draft year. So, uh, Hellenius. Uh, yeah, I family. like the 18 to 25 range. Eh, yeah, Canucks are going to make Hold the Hold you to assume it's not like 13th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will see what happens when they, hey, if they got to move the first round pick, they got to get in the playoffs. We'll see uh, how that storyline develops as the season goes on, and we'll see if Quads take about uh, a first round pick possibly being in play. Hey, I've heard crazier takes about this season. I really have. I think that it it, it isn't the worst take in the world, just seeing how this team is operating and how they are in their cycle, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, this... I hate it. Don't get me wrong. I hate it. I like prospects. Yeah. <laughs> they, they love taking shortcuts, right? The last regime, and they're always ready to go all in. I mean, you even think about 2019-20, right? They went out and... Um, even though it felt a little early, they went out and made that splash for Toffoli. Mm. So we'll see. We will see. The first round pick uh, for now remains in the Vancouver Canucks possession. And uh, their first round picks over the past couple of years. They were looking good. Part of our poll question today. Uh, Harmon, thank you very much for uh, stepping in today. I know last minute you jumped in for quads because he's, he's a pumpkin patch guy, I think, uh, like we talked about earlier on in the show. Uh, anything else for you coming up soon over at The Athletic? Give us a promo code. Give us a, you know, click a Harmon article and, and subscribe that way, right? That's that's the thing they got to do. Yeah, I've, um, I've got... Um... Trying to think what I've got. Oh, tomorrow I've got a big thing coming up on just looking at looking at the NHL's like biggest lineup experiments. Um, or where like Di Giuseppe being in the top six is one of them that I that I get into and just highlighting how guys have looked in different spots, like line A shifting to center. How has that looked? Um Lafreniere finally getting an extended top six look. 
Um, how, how has that looked? And, and I, uh, Di Giuseppe was one of the seven um, that I sort of dove into. So really excited to get into that just because I feel like so many times at the start of the season, you like flip on the TV or you see teams line rushes and you're like, wait, why is that guy yeah. in that part of the lineup? Why is he playing out of position? Who is that guy that's somehow playing on the, oh, Oliver Ekman Larson too, on the right side. I've been, I've been following all the tape on him. He's been playing 26 minutes a night and I've I clipped a lot of videos. So <laughs> Kanash fans, you'll, you'll get a sense of how OEL is looking playing like quarterback either top you to power play oh. um just legit being deployed as the number one so you guys could see um for better or worse how how that looks uh tomorrow morning how did he flip from becoming a liability to a bargain now making two million dollars with florida uh, i don't we'll know about that it's uh <laughs> it's 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 been going interesting yeah for sure it, 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 you brought up an example like you brought up uh the early lines like it was i was curious to see where owen Tippett was in the flyers lineup last night i think it was in top line i think with couturier and uh um and Atkinson I think last night so I was curious I was like where, where what happened to Tippett I remember in World Juniors just being like one of the most ridiculous scorers uh for Team Canada there and yeah up to the top line in Philly so that's another one of those examples uh we'll have to see if that's in your article or not harm but uh the good stuff over there at the athletic thanks man all right so click that article subscribe to the athletic all that good stuff um for my co-host Harmon Dial and our producer Aaron Bordado who's in a better mood today because he didn't have to deal with David Quadrelli aside from the chat my name is Chris Faber and thank you very much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation Canucks Conversation with Quads and Faber new episodes every weekday 1 30 across the board except for Wednesdays one o'clock we'll see you there live on the Canucks Army YouTube channel for more information Visit CanucksArmy.com. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?